0: I Yay, wanted, 20, I to Yay, 20. All right, now on to the important stuff, answering your questions. Yes.
1: Hey, I'm Cat the Dog Trainer.
0: And I'm the guy with the pink gun, and I want to start today's Yahoo. No, saying, I want
1: to start today's Yahoo by saying. Thank you guys for all of your subscriptions. We've hit 20,000 subscribers, which is awesome. We couldn't do that without you guys. We had a great time at vacation and we're again overwhelmed by the number of questions we got. Um, Just scrolling through probably at least 80 or more questions again. Um, We love
0: it. Keep it coming. Each week, we'll keep coming back to you with more answers.
1: Yep, and we'll try and get to as many as we can.
0: To start with, Bodette3 puppy not super food motivated tried kibble treats even hot dog and cheese help so the big thing for us and you see us utilize this a lot is we use the dog's food their meal each day as their training session and a couple things that that does is actually um, develops really good work ethic as well as develops good eating behavior and desire to work for food now the key to that is If you start your training session, and this is where a smidgen of tough love comes in, you start your training session and the puppy is not interested, you skip that meal, come back to it in the evening. This is the same way that I was raised. If I chose as a child not to eat my oatmeal, mom made oatmeal, she poured this cold milk moat around a blob of oatmeal and cinnamon sugar it was disgusting i hated it but if i chose not to eat that for breakfast i had to eat it for lunch so we apply that same concept with puppies it will only take one or two meals and she'll be very focused and ready to eat so give that a try let us know how it goes
1: next question from JYH.Chang: best mental stimulation activities for gsps that don't hunt well, first of all, mental stimulation is important, but also physical activity is also going to be important. Um, these dogs are sp- sporting breeds, working dogs, they need a job, they need something to do. Um, so if you don't hunt, that has to be something else, whether that's hiking and adventure trails, dock diving, obedience, agility, all of those things are great um, activities to become involved in with your dog. Other things on a like regular day-to-day basis is teaching them new tricks. Dogs are very intelligent. Um, Short hairs especially are very intelligent. You can teach them a plethora of activities that they can do from shake and roll over, lay down, play dead, all of the parlor trick type things, as well as we like to use treadmill time, even with the dogs that do hunt, as a combination of both mental and physical stimulation because uh, you can set a lot of those treadmills to interval training programs where the incline changes and the speed changes um, and your dog has to come constantly be thinking as well as physically working to stay stay on that treadmill. So
0: yeah, because you can every time it changes speeds, they have to adjust their speed. So it requires a lot of mental focus. C D N B A L O O. What is the one dog that stands out for each of you? Um, the dog that fueled the passion. This is a really, really, really uh, good question. So Um, It's hard to say one dog. It's really, really hard to say one dog, and I'm going to have to say two. One, first of all, would be my first short hair. Her name was Sammy. Um, Crazy Sammy. Lovingly referred to her as Crazy Sammy. (laughs) And um, she was... I mean, granted, I didn't know everything when I got her. I, I practically knew nothing when we got her. But We made the all time, the
1: mistakes with her.
0: Most most, all of them. The common
1: you know. mistakes.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why we love answering these questions for y'all, because though some people say, oh, that's a dumb question. Well, there's no such thing as a dumb question, because we've already been there, done that. Yeah. Um, but... Sammy would be a big kickstart to that because uh, when you have a difficult dog or you have a dog that challenges you, you learn way more from that than you do an easy dog. And she was definitely a challenge. Now, uh, fast forward from that to our next dog. Uh, Well, it wasn't even our next dog, but it was The next dog that would stand out um, was Shooter 1. And I say Shooter 1 because we now have another shooter. um, And Never,
1: ever, ever will we repeat dog names again, even though he unfortunately passed away at a young age. We loved the name. We wanted to reuse it, but it causes a lot of confusion.
0: Trying to explain dogs and stories. So, Shooter 1. Um, was really 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 a special dog He also was a little bit challenging you know he wasn't by any means perfect but he had the drive and the desire and the trainability wanted to, to work do all of it and um, he did some you know that took me from the level of going wow I can have fun with short hairs and I can teach a short hair something to with a good one we can do a lot and that you know really solidified for me that short hairs have everything that i need for them everything that i need out of a hunting dog so those would be my two would be sam sammy and then shooter one
1: and then my turn, I would say um, probably my boy Nick's, which is actually Shooter One's brother from a different litter, yeah. um, but also completely different dogs, uh, even though they are technically litter mates, but they have a lot of similar characteristics, but also a lot of differences, um, and I would say that he was what fueled my passion because he was the first dog that I completely trained start to finish. Um, I made all the mistakes. Um, I won't segue into that story, but if you want to know more, ask me about the beeper collar on another Yawa.
0: Yeah, anybody that wants to hear that story, or or Shooter1's story, yep, throw it in the comments. If you guys want to hear it, we'll tell it next time.
1: But um, he would be what fueled my passion because he was also very natural with everything, but he pushes buttons um, and is a little bit of a pushy dog, so I had to adjust the way that I trained and um, (laughs) that I like to do things, and I really tried to um, learn from my mistakes for the next dogs that we've worked with, but definitely he would be the dog that fueled my passion.
0: That's a great answer. It's a great question. It's a really great question. Will an energetic older dog in the house have an effect on my new hunting puppy's training? This, this is, is from yeah. Weserkerman. As for, the, if I'm understanding this right, you have an older dog that's energetic and you have a new puppy that you're starting to begin training. Um, I would assume by the fact that you're asking this that you're not 100% happy with the energetic dog or you wouldn't be worried about that rubbing off on your puppy. Um, the key to that would be... Anything your dog is doing, they're conditioning themselves too, so it may be good for both of them to learn some more manners together. That's what I
1: was just gonna say. Um, You can always teach an older dog new tricks. Sometimes it just takes longer, um, but it sounds like your older dog would benefit from some of the basic beginning obedience training that your young puppy would. It would just be important to separate training sessions. Otherwise, there'll be a lot of confusion, especially when you're clicker training to begin with, because the clicker, like we've said in a lot of our other training videos, it not only marks the behavior you're looking for, but it ends the behavior you're looking So if you're trying to get your puppy to sit and your older dog sits, well, you click to mark that. And then your puppy's like, well, you just clicked. So I must've done it right. It would just add a lot of confusion. So you need to separate those training sessions. Um, but they can interact with each other, um, on a non-training basis.
0: Yep. One side note with interaction, because we've been asked this question before and I'll touch on it quickly about dogs playing roughhousing, um, messing around. And the biggest thing for us with that is Um, Again, anything your dogs are doing, they're conditioning themselves to. And I actually bring a lot of things into, here's my short answer, a lot of things into um, how we train and develop and raise dogs the way that I was raised as a kid, and it seems kind of silly, but um, when we were kids, I have three other brothers, um, we were not allowed to roughhouse and have a bunch of shenanigans inside. You know, I mean, it was if we wanted to wrestle, something was going to get broken, mom was going to get pissed and so it was take it outside you know i mean that's the kind of mentality and we do that with our dogs same way um i don't want dogs bouncing off the wall jumping off the couch pinging around the house like a bunch of hooligans so inside we don't allow that rough housing playing romping outside romping is fine as long as it doesn't get carried away you kind of have to pay attention to that because it can things
1: like that can escalate quickly
0: yep so um Anything you want them to do, basically they're, they're conditioning that and the best thing to condition is calm, chill dogs, both of the puppy and the older dog in the house. Let them play outside. Next question.
1: From Bethany Starr, this was a good one and I was excited to kind of answer it. Any advice on how to include children in training sessions? I have a three-year-old son who loves to be doing whatever we are doing with the dogs and I'd love to hear your advice or how you plan to get Aiden involved once he's older and interested. Um, Second part, which kind of segues with this, is other than reinforcement by yourself, how is the best way to teach your dog to respect commands from a young child? So, first of all, obviously your child needs to be old enough to give cues. Um, uh, Aiden can say a few words, but mostly we just understand what he's saying. There's no way the dogs would understand what he's saying at this point yet.
0: But... He's already incorporated in training, especially with the young puppies. We've taught him how to tell them basically no and push them away if they're trying to jump on him. Lick his
1: face. Anything
0: he doesn't want, he just can say no and push them away, even at this young of an age. So that is a small way to incorporate that.
1: As well as we also teach him the proper way to interact with the dogs, Um, you know, touching nice, pulling on their faces or their ears um, and petting nicely. Um, So not only are we training the dogs how to interact with him properly, but also him how to interact with the dogs properly. That's important. Um,
0: Fast forward to him getting older can actually do real training sessions. Yes.
1: Um, In that situation, I would just be having him ask the dogs and rewarding the dogs with treats and the clicker um, and explain to him how to use it Um, A lot of times I refer to the same thing that we're doing with Aiden, similarly to what we train with the dogs, um, training children, training dogs, kind of the same thing. Um, Pretty close. but having this expectation that, um, if I ask him to do something to teach the dog, how to sit, or, um, even if he's not technically teaching the dog, but just repping some obedience, um, if he's not going to do it properly, then he's not going to be able to be involved in the training. And I'll just say, no, Aiden, that's not how we ask him to sit or that's not how we, you know, feed him treats. That's not how we do that. And then he just doesn't get to be involved in it. Um, we're b- big proponents of, um, um, consequences actually have consequences. Um, so, if he can't do it right and he wants to be involved in training and he's being obstinate about it, he just won't get to be involved. And then the next opportunity he gets, we're hoping that he will have a positive <laughs> outlook on that interaction. Um, but no, you don't necessarily want to step in and reinforce for your child um, with the dog. So if your child asks the dog to sit, but the dog's not sitting, and you just step in and say sit, well, the dog's still not respecting your child's cues. They need to, so I would just give Aiden direction. Nope, you need to you know, put your hand up high, you need to step into them, or you, know, you need to say it clearer, or you need to be more um, firm with your command or your cue. We like to use the word cue, um, and just try and teach him how to actually rep the dog. Um, As he would get older, I would expect him to be able to actually teach some things, but at three, it would be more of a repping obedience that the dog already knows. So having a dog that is really obedient and really conditioned to those behaviors would be a really good starting point because then when your son or your child asks for those behaviors, the dog is already super conditioned to those behaviors and that can give your child confidence that the dog's gonna do when they ask For that behavior
0: pals 88 on instagram and there was one other person we'll try and um so what are my thoughts on snake avoidance training we live in idaho first of all snake avoidance training if you're going to be in an area where there are a lot of snakes you're guaranteed you're going to be running the snakes it's important if you're not or uh, maybe there's a chance of one or two snakes a season um i don't believe it's as important I have never done snake avoidance training with any of our dogs because the majority of the places that we're hunting and the times of year that we're actually hunting there, there is a pretty small chance of running into snakes, rattlesnakes, whatever. Um, Now when we lived in Northwest Kansas, I think in the four or five years that we were there, we probably killed 15 total rattlesnakes. So we're talking three or four a year. Most of those were on the road. I would say maybe three of them were actually in the field while we were out training dogs or working dogs. Now, because we didn't do any snake avoidance training, our dogs didn't know at all what a snake was. They paid zero attention, including the dogs that we had in for training. I remember one morning specifically that we made loops. We generally make a loop in training when we're working birds and there'd be one here, 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 and then you're kind of worked back to the truck. It's more efficient that way. And then you can back set or plant birds as you're going. Um, so we work through and work through and work through and we get to about the fourth dog and we're running through these same areas where we've got bird launchers out and then bzz, I hear a snake. Now, I had two dogs on the ground and they just ran right past where the snake was and had no idea that it was there, nor paid any attention to it. Cat was with me, she grabbed the dogs, I dispatched the snake, we moved on. It was, you know, that was the way that all of our snake encounters went. The very first morning that we ran into one, we had a bigger group on a big exercise run and a herd of dogs ran right through, nobody paid any attention to the snake. Now. All of that being said, we've got the opportunity, and if you follow along with our social media stuff, you're gonna see a lot more about this coming up. But we're gonna be going to Hell's Canyon um, in Idaho, where you're talking about, and I was uh, it will be their September time frame. They said, yes, there will be snakes, yes. We will most likely run into some, so I will be doing snake avoidance training with um, a couple, at least a couple dogs that we're planning on bringing with us. So in that, you have a few things: scent, sight, and smell. Then we will work through that, and we'll actually put a video.
1: Scent, sight,
0: sound, and smell. Sound, sound is the third one. The third S. Yes. Um, But we'll work through that and I will do the snake avoidance training most likely with a bull snake when I catch one sometime this summer and we'll show everybody how to do that. Now, last thing I want to touch on with this, my brain, sorry, Um, GSP pup. That is one thing that I want to make sure that I was just,
1: and that actually ties in with this question that also had to do with snake avoidance completely different person, Mill 28 can you discuss your thoughts on rattlesnake avoidance training? Do you do the traditional method of collar stimulation in the presence of a rattlesnake or do you do something else that you find that works well for your dogs? Also, do you think a three to four month old would be okay um, for this little guy to, that's going to be out in the sage in Rocky Foothills in the mountains of Idaho? So this is talking awesome. about puppy, also talking about puppy. Awesome.
0: No, do not do it. They need to have a firm understanding of collar conditioning before you start lighting them up with the collar. It is avoidance training. It is breaking training. You want them to understand snakes are bad, but if they don't understand the collar, you can Break. borderline ruin them from being able to properly be collar conditioned later. So we've actually run into that before yeah, 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 with a
1: dog that has had
0: um, as a puppy,
1: rattlesnake avoidance class, no collar conditioning, then just putting the collar on them, they very much freaked out. Not a so. good thing.
0: So make sure they're collar conditioned first. Um, also, big proponent of the vaccination. That'll be another thing that our dogs are getting prior to that. It's a six month deal. You need two rounds, plan accordingly. Um, they're one month apart and then boosted every six months or 12 months, depending on how active the snakes are in your area. So. Great, great questions. Let's move on.
1: Mitzel said, where do you get your truck boxes for transporting your dogs? I really like them, but but couldn't find anything comparable. So the one that we're currently using is a five-hole slide-in dog box, um, and it's made by Mountaintop
0: Custom Kennels. It'll be for sale later this Yeah, we're planning on maybe getting
1: something different, maybe a trailer. Um, It works great. It's got a fan system, ventilation, insulation, which is also really important, Um, locking dog boxes, um, but it doesn't always work exactly (laughs) like we need it to for what we do as well.
0: Yeah. So. Biggest uh, thing is it's a pretty heavy box, so you actually need a bigger truck than what I have um, for it to be rocking and rolling right, but the... um, and then it limits how much bed space, space you, you have in the truck so what i end up running to is um, a smidge of lack of space um, and need that in combination with the trailer but mountaintop custom kennels makes great stuff ainley makes great stuff um, deerskin deerskin makes great stuff and then um, jones would be another company that makes all we've uh, been in contact with or used all of their brands of products so great question Sal 394 on Instagram. At what age should you start to implement steady to wing and shot? This is a great question. And age, which is the number one thing that people ask us about. How old should my dog be here or here or here? in all of these different steps of training. It is not about how old your dog should be. It is about how much your dog knows and...
1: And how much experience they have.
0: Yep. So in this specific situation... I am a firm believer that before you move to -to steady-to-wing shot and fall training, the dog should have experienced wild bird contact. And quite a few wild birds, the more the the merrier in this situation. Um, They need to, and worst case scenario, a bunch of pen-raised birds. Get a bunch of birds killed over them and then move into this more advanced training.
1: As well as they're typically more mentally mature. uh, This is an advanced level of training, which uses positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and negative punishment. So to have a dog that can actually mentally handle that level of training,
0: usually they need to be a little bit older. So, If you have questions on those four types of training that Kat mentioned, throw that in the comments below. If you want that explained, we'd be happy to do so.
1: We have another question from Facebook from Michael Stamp. How many dogs do you have in your home on a regular basis? Where do you put them when you are training a new puppy in the house? Well, that number sometimes varies, but I would say on average, we typically have about 10 dogs in the house. One of them is snoring on the couch right over there right now. That would be grandpa Rex. Um, And when we have a new puppy in the house, We still have the same number of dogs in the house. Um, We just typically, like we had mentioned when we've got older dogs and younger puppies, when we're working on a specific training session, the puppy is out by themselves to be able to not be distracted and to focus and so the timing is right for that training but then when it's free time and play time they get to interact with the older dogs so that they learn what's proper um, playing what's proper behavior in the house and whatnot and then um, we typically sleep with about three four five of them out overnight Um, and the rest of them have to stay crated, and then we rotate. Grandpa is usually out all the time, so the other ones have to rotate around him just because he's 14 and he's earned it, but (laughs) the puppies don't sleep out yet. Um, Typically, they have to be about a year until we're to that point of trusting them to sleep out on a dog bed or in bed with us overnight.
0: Good question. Next question is from A. Burks, 45. This is uh, not exactly a dog related question, but more of a get to know us question, and I like those too. What is your beverage of choice after a long day's hunt? Water. No, no, no. Um, I would say I am a. a... Water
1: during the hunt, though. Water during the hunt. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate.
0: Absolutely. I'm a a big uh, king of beers, Budweiser, Bud Heavy drinker, pork chop in a can. Um, the other side of it is I enjoy bourbon. Some of you have probably caught uh, uh, the wind on that one. Um, and my bourbon of choice would be something down the Buffalo Trace distillery line. Blattens being top of that list. Cat And
1: I, after a long day hunting, typically like cheladas. Um, red beers, if you don't know what a chelada is. Uh, delicious. And there is no substitute between mixing beer and tomato juice it's not the same it will do in a pinch but it's not the same
0: perfect good question
1: next question from nick vanilla how many dogs do you guys train a year what's your cutoff number where you feel they don't get the personalized attention needed so we get this question actually quite a bit on how many dogs do we train in a year and i never know But I can tell you how many dogs we train a month and we have in the facility a month. Anywhere from 15 to 20 typically every once in a while that number goes a little bit over that as we're waiting on dogs getting picked up or getting sent home um, and other dogs have come in but that 15 to 20 number is kind of that golden number of where you mentioned you know when they get the personalized attention needed Um, we feel any more than that they're not really getting enough quality training time Uh, we have four full-time employees currently as well as ethan and myself that work with the dogs and they get handled by all of the people that work for us, um, repping obedience and just having calm, well-mannered expectations during let outs and feeding times and things like that. So, um, that's kind of our magic number on how many dogs and Mm -hmm. I, and it's not like we work with 15 to 20 new dogs every month. That's the other side of it. That's why I can't say, oh, well, if I work with 20 dogs a month times 12 months, math, and then that's how many dogs we work with in a year. That's not, I didn't get my calculator out. But some of those dogs stay anywhere from two to four months of training. Our minimum is two months of training. We don't really feel like dogs can accomplish enough in training and be conditioned well enough to those behaviors, those new behaviors that they're learning in less than two months of training. Um, and then most of them stay an average of three months, but then we get dogs in for more advanced levels of testing or advanced training that stay for six, six seven, seven, eight months. So, um, that number just varies so much that I can't
0: put a number on I would it specifically rough mating 200 dogs in a year. Sure. Give or take 50 real specific there, Bob. <laughs> Next question, Clayton underscore A-P-K-E, favorite upland clothing while hunting? Shirts, vests, chaps, pants? Good question. Um, I am a huge Orvis fan. Now, everybody says Orvis, so expensive. Um, the They are expensive, but the way that I like to think about it too is... Um,
1: it's pretty much the last pair of chaps, the last vest, the last coat, you're pretty much going to buy.
0: I literally had a, an Upland shell jacket that lasted eight years, and that was running...
1: Wearing it on a daily. You know, it's not just, oh, it hangs up in my closet, and I use it four times a year. Yeah. Not so for us.
0: They, they take a beating, and, I, you know, it's good stuff. It fits right. You know, it's a big difference between buying something that is a little less expensive my my recommendation would be to save up the money and go with that now from a shooting shirt standpoint i wear Orvis' shirts they have um, a lightweight shirt they have a heavier shirt and it's got some stretch to it as well as breathable so it's really comfortable um and then i do still when i wear chaps um, I wear Filson chaps and it's they have a they sent me a pair actually I bought double tin Filson chaps a long time ago they fit great um, burned a hole through them sent them to fill in in like a couple months.
1: not burned like with a lighter or something like wore a wear
0: spot wore a hole through them in a couple months Thank you for the clarification um, that's and, what I'm
1: here for babe. <laughs>
0: After that, sent them in. They said, we'll stand behind this. We'll fix them for you. Sent me another pair. Wore through those in a couple months. I'm in one season, you know, which at that point in time, I was running dogs almost five months straight and four and a half. And
1: November it, to March. Yeah. Almost five
0: months. Yep. Yeah. So, um, wore those through. So I burned through two pair of their double tin chaps in, in one In a season. season of
1: guiding. Yep.
0: Sent them back. They said, We've got the thing for you. Sent me these um, chaps that have a thousand denier nylon outside of their singleton chaps. Ch- Single chaps, excuse me. And those um, lasted for years. And I ended up wearing a spot where my legs brushed together. And I sent them in and said, "Hey, can you fix these?" They sent me a brand new pair, which I was upset about because I broke these in and I love them. Um... Picky, picky, picky. <laughs> not picky but so philson has those chaps i can't find them on their website i've never seen them in a magazine i don't know where they came from but Magic. maybe if you call them they can show you but um i've gotten to the point where chaps are fairly heavy and i found um they have some orvis has some new a new product this year that's called the tough, tough shell? shell yeah i think it's tough shell because they have soft shell and then they have tough shell which is 100 waterproof super super durable and And very lightweight and also lightweight so like there was a time this last year that we had a snowstorm blizzard sleeting crap while i was in south dakota and i literally had on thermals so heavy under armor branded thermals they're number four i think is what they call them and then i had the tough shell and i had the soft shell and then the tough shell jacket over top of it that was all it was cold as snot and that cuts the wind it does everything else so the um and I was as comfortable as you can be in a blizzard hunting but Orvis branded stuff pretty much straight down the list from clothing for me vest as well I wear the Orvis strap vest
1: I also like a lot of Orvis's clothing um there's not a lot of options out there for women upland gear so it can keep it pretty short. Um, I also really like Prowess's Upland pants. They had a pair uh, style a few years ago that I really liked. They don't make that style anymore and they came out with a new style um, that I also really like so I've been happy with the the Prowess pants. And then Orvis's um, Upland shirts I really like and then I have an Eddie Bauer. Uh, Upland vest that I also love. Again, they don't make that anymore. So good luck finding uh, a vest. Um, I know Pros has a strap vest out. Um, I didn't like it as much. I'm not a big fan of like the super big and bulky and that was super big and bulky on me at least, which I'm fairly small framed. And then for boots, both Ethan and I have been wearing keen boots for a long time, but if you've been subscribing to our YouTube channel, thanks 20,000 subscribers, by the way, again, you would see that we just put out a new video on picking a new pair of boots and Ethan's gonna try a couple of those and see if some of those will hold up a little bit better and be um, a good fit. So stay tuned for a updated video on that.
0: Awesome. Scott H. Pfeiffer, do you have any puppies on the ground? Um, It's a great question. A lot of people are asking, We get a lot of emails, everything else. Um, We're currently taking deposits for 2021. Please email us or call us, whatever you feel most comfortable with so we can talk more about what the best fit is for you.
1: Kevin Hine, how do you keep your dogs sharp in the off season? What is good training drills for the summer? We've talked about this a few times, but we rode our dogs to help keep them in good shape and conditioned um, with roading harnesses hooked up to the four-wheeler. Um, it's a very good way to toughen their pads as well because we're roading them on our gravel driveway. Um, And then also things that we work on in the off summer is anything that they need improvement on. So if we've got young dogs and they need trained retrieves or they need to be studied up for some hunt tests, that's when we work on those things. Um, Or if we are prepping for some NADA testing, we're working on duck searches and water work uh, during the summer when it's nicer out to be um, spending a lot of time in the water. Uh, Other than that, that's about it.
0: Great question. Next is from Z Cray Cray. I like it. <laughs> uh, preferred DT Systems e-collar for training. Great question. And to point out, yes, we use all DT Systems products in training. Our go-to is the 1820 currently. It's a model they've had around forever. It's a tank, ironclad, works like a charm. You got 16 levels, vibrate, continuous stimulation. Um, it's fully rechargeable, waterproof, and the transmitter floats. So... Uh, the 1820 is our go-to for training currently
1: this question from mp senna was seconded by ty the redneck 24 so we definitely have to answer that one um how can i get a dog excited about retrieving bumpers he's good for the first few but loses interest very quickly um and then ty had seconded that with my dog hasn't had any problems with losing interest in birds just toys so first of all Retrieving is probably the number one thing that gets overdone with dogs. If they start losing interest, why are they gonna do it anymore? It becomes boring, it's not exciting anymore. So less is typically more in regards to doing retrieving drills. If you go and you throw 20 bumpers every evening and your dog's like, meh, this is boring, um, you need to go, okay, I'm gonna throw two bumpers every two weeks. And then the dog's gonna be like, when are we gonna play that awesome game again? I want to do that. So keeping, and I threw out numbers.
0: No, no, but... numbers are good. But just on that exact note is to think about yourself. And if you do something every single day, even if it's the most exciting thing that you've ever done, eventually some of that that shine, wears, shine off. wears off, but you get to go once a week to go do something or once a month to go do something. It's a lot more exciting and, and you can look forward to it then.
1: And something else that you can do to create a little bit of excitement is to have just one specific toy or bumper that's only used for retrieving that they don't get to play with on a regular basis so that's an exciting toy and object um, but just less is more would be my number one
0: tip and then you can gradually build on that you can go um, we like to play a game when we have puppies and I'll experiment and say, all right, so you've been doing great on this one, two retrieves, you're straight out, straight back. We're developing a habit or a behavior here. And then now let's try five. Okay. You got bored at four. So we need to still stay at two or three. Okay. Let's try 10. Now you did nine. So now we can stay in that five, six range and you can gradually build that up to where you're always ending with the dog still excited for the game. Yes. So great questions.
1: Another question from Instagram that was, again, seconded, so I feel like we really should hit on that, from Ryan.Villigan, is there a particular order of behaviors that you train follow from the beginning until you are out hunting? And CDN Baloo said, seconded, I'm curious if you work training habits in a particular order as well. Absolutely. If you check out our YouTube channel, we actually have multiple playlists with multiple puppies, Quest, Rogue, even some older series with uh, a puppy yeah. named Mac. Um, we have a shorter series with a puppy named Fox. Um, Sprig series with, is a lab, but a lot of the beginning stuff, similar basics. I don't know. A lot of puppies. Um, when we have those playlists and we have them in order of how we went through those dogs training step by step very similar order for the most part but every once in a while we changed things up and that's just because those dogs had a little bit different personality were a little slower to mature a little faster to mature in certain situations so we may have changed things up a little bit but that's a really good order to follow along with this then once your dog is good at this move on to the next step people always want to say well how old should my dog be when i start doing these things well if you haven't done all of the groundwork You shouldn't be moving on to the next step. So I can't say, oh, when your dog is exactly four months old, you can do a bird and gun intro. Well, if you've never done any recall and your puppy's not as bold and confident, um, you probably shouldn't be throwing a bird in their face.
0: Even if you have some start to training with your dog and let's say your dog's six to eight months old, still start at the beginning. And the more your dog knows, the faster they're going to go through each steps and then you're going to get caught up. So
1: Exactly. A lot of the dogs that we get in for training, for example, come in at a minimum of six months old. So we don't t- take dogs in for formal training until they're at least six months old. And some of those puppies come in as we like to call them a blank slate. They've been part of the family. They've got their house training and potty training habits figured out. And that's about it. They haven't had any clicker training done. They haven't had any collar conditioning done. And they are starting at basically square one after six months old and they start and go through everything just like a puppy. What at eight weeks?
0: Yeah. Okay. Great question. Next we've got D storm 17. How do you deal with a dog that has a hard mouth even after formal trained retrieve? Um, uh, this is a question I wanted to touch on. I need more information, but I'm also going to say if you still have a hard mouth after we've got a hole somewhere in the process that we need to work through. Now, I need to know more information about when the dog's being hard-mouthed what kind of birds what size of birds is it all birds is it all bumpers and birds is it um, only when you're shooting birds for them or is it only water retrieves when and more where and how this is happening and then we can try and give some tips um worst case scenario this may be one that um, we need to see first person what's going on but throw that in the comments or yeah throw it in the comments that'd be the best place for it and then we can try and help you. Next question, CADA Walton, this weekend is Pheasant Fest in Minneapolis, which by the time this is posted, it'll be last last weekend, weekend. Um, but have you ever been and participated in the Pheasant Fest? Yes, actually, we've been the last four or five years in a row. And this year, we somehow missed it by a day.
1: I did terrible planning, and I planned a vacation instead, and then realized on the calendar it was the same time as Pheasant Fest, and I was like, Uh, Caribbean cruise, Pheasant Fest in Minneapolis, brr, and said, okay, we're going on a cruise this year, next year.
0: We'll be there next year, so. So Another question
1: is from Colt45Raps. My eight-month-old English setter will retrieve bumpers to hand every time, but when it comes to retrieving a bird, he picks it up with a soft mouth and doesn't always bring it back to me. How can I get him to retrieve the bird to me the way he retrieves bumpers back to my hand? So there's always little tricks and tips and things that you can do um, with your puppy, including putting wings on a bumper if your puppy does retrieve bumpers really well, adding a few feathers, adding a few more feathers, adding a few more feathers until it's this massive feather bumper thing so that they get better about picking it up with feathers in their mouth also just more experience and getting comfortable with those birds Um, starting with a frozen bird as well so it's more firm and bumper shaped instead of a floppy freshly killed dead bird or even a still flapping live-ish bird which can be intimidating but ultimately if your dog's still sloppy about retrieving birds We recommend doing a trained retrieve, which really fixes any of those holes in retrieving, creates a nice, solid finished, polished retrieve to hand with bumpers, birds, anything like that. Um, But you definitely want your dog to be mature enough to start that process. And usually our golden number is around a year. Sometimes you can start a little bit younger if your dog's mentally mature and really ready for that and bold and confident, Um, but dogs mature at different rates. So you kind of have to judge that for yourself.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great so, answer.
1: I wish we could have gotten to more. I hate not being able to answer all of your guys' questions because they're always all so good. So they're good. Remember, ask us more next week and we will try and get to as many as we can.
0: Thanks guys again for the questions. I'm the guy with the pink gun.
1: I'm Cat the Dog Trainer.
0: And we will see you next week.